Hey, how's it going? Good morning. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, the This is the uh, start of the day that the Lord has made, and I pray that it finds you blessed and doing well. Um, hopefully, uh, what's going on with the shelter in place and the the quarantine isn't getting the best of you. I've seen some really beautiful things popping up and uh, in in my community, uh, instead of doing uh, birthday parties, we're seeing birthday parades, driving by the kid's house. It's really kind of cool. I really need to see. Uh, a friend of mine is a videographer and his production company has been doing all sorts of community videos where they're asking for people to send videos and pictures of what's going on in their lives each week. And it's, it's been full, uh, very encouraging to see how people are, are coming together as a community, how their families are, are, are a little bit more bonded together. And that's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so today with this episode, uh, I'm continuing on with my, my theme of the, of looking at the three sixteens. As I said in the last episode, I'm going in canonical order. So la- last episode we were talking about Matthew 3.16. Today we're talking about Mark 3.16. And uh, we're, we're getting back into it. I want, uh, like I said, I want to continue that direction. Um, so the Gospel of Mark is the shortest of the Gospel writings. So there's four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And Mark is the shortest. Uh, it's very, very uh, to the point. Uh, Mark is, is very concise, it's very clear um, in the way that he, he writes his gospel. And whereas the other three gospels, there's a lot of time spent on fleshing out the details of many of Christ's interactions with people during his earthly ministry, Mark usually keeps his details short, sweet, and to the point. Now Mark splits his gospel into two halves. The first half expresses some key moments in Jesus' ministry from his from its beginning until the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, and the second half focuses on the crucifixion, it focuses on the resurrection, and some of the things that come out after that. At the beginning of the book, Mark actually expresses from the very outset that Jesus is the Son of God, and many of the interactions that Jesus has with his disciples and with other people highlight the question that the author wants to, everyone to decide for themselves. Who is Jesus? And is he the Messiah or the Christ? Messiah and Christ is the interchangeable word. So he's getting people to, to, to consider for themselves. Because in the book, uh, you actually experience three different groups of people. You have groups of people who aren't really sure who Jesus is. You have people who are incredibly certain. And then you have people who say absolutely not he is not the Messiah. So you and so people tend to fall into those categories even still today. So Mark says, like I said, that Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah and that he goes about bringing up all these instances and questions uh, where the question is answered by the people that Jesus comes into contact with. And that's basically the gospel of Mark in a nutshell. However, despite the short and concise nature of the writing, there's a lot that can be unpacked within the words of every verse. So this morning, I'm looking at Mark 3.16. Uh, it falls within that description, and this is what it says. It's a really very short passage. And uh, these are the twelve he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter. That's it. That's the verse. 
Done. We can all go home now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to go home. The particular verse that I'm highlighting here is part of a passage that lists the 12 disciples. While the list bears all 12 names, most people don't consider the order of the names all that important. I do. I'm a big fan of etymology. I like the study of names, where they originate from, what they mean. Uh, like I hated my name for the longest time. My name is Garrett. Uh, and when I was a kid growing up, going through elementary school, we had kids named Eric, Aaron, Derek, uh, Jared. Names that were far more common than mine. And there was a couple of occasions where I got in trouble for something that somebody else did because they remembered my name over the name of the actual kid because it was so interchangeable. I hated my name until I found out what it meant. Um, and so for me, my name, uh, it, it's, it's Celtic in origin. It means spear-carrying champion. And when I partner that with my last name, which is Jones, Jones is a Welsh variation of the possessive of John or belonging to John. John comes from a Greek root. Uh, the, the Greek word is Ionis. Ionis is Greek for uh, of or belonging to God. So when I, when I partner up the two meanings of my name, it comes off as, God, as God's spear-carrying champion. It's this cool warrior's name. I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm a warrior for God, and I love it. So that kind of has prompted me to really enjoy etymology. So our list, the list of the 12 disciples, starts with Peter, or Simon Peter, as many translations refer to him. The reason why this is important is because from a character study, Peter was always the guy leaping without looking when it came to expressing his faith. This is something I've mentioned in earlier episodes of the podcast. When Jesus walked on water during the storm, who was the first person that jumped out of the boat to walk out with him? Peter. He didn't think about what he was doing until he took his eyes off of Jesus and focused on the chaos all around him. Peter was always that guy. The first to step out, but also the first to kind of get freaked out. And so this particular verse goes even further uh, in that of the 12 disciples, only Peter got a different name. So some scholars think that it was to differentiate uh, between Simon Peter and another disciple whose name was Simon the Zealot, who's referenced later in uh, verse 18 of this same chapter. But I don't think that was the real reason. I think it's more important to focus on the name that Jesus gives him. So Simon was a fisherman. And he's one of the first disciples that is called. Uh, he begins following Jesus and shortly after all of them are grouped together, he's renamed Peter. Alright. Uh, now, the Aramaic word that's used is Cephas, especially if you're looking at the, the, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, his name is Cephas. In Greek, the, the word is Petros. It means rock. Now, I kind of joke that while Peter was kind of a numbskull, he had the right attitude about faith. You see, as Christians, we need to be just like Peter. He was the first of the disciples to express faith in Jesus as the Messiah. There's a point where Jesus asked the question, Who do you say I am? 
And Peter's like, you are the Messiah. Doesn't even have a question. Doesn't have a doubt in his mind. He knows. He knows. He was the first to decide. He was the first disciple to express faith in Jesus as the Messiah. The focus of Mark's gospel was to highlight how Jesus was the Messiah, asking that question of who do you think Jesus is. And when and when Jesus asked that question himself halfway through the gospel, he you know what you know who do you say I am? It's a question that is asked not just of the disciples only but of the reader as well. See, in, in fine fashion, Peter is the first to respond. He believed. But he kind of rushes into the answer because he doesn't fully understand the implications. And see, that's the point. We as Christians need to be willing to simply jump right into faith, no questions asked. And like Peter, we need to understand that our faith is the rock, it's the cornerstone of our relationship with God. And so we begin to focus on that rela- on that religious aspect. We think of faith as being a, a religion element. But many people forget that God doesn't want us to be religious. In fact, that is the opposite of what He has ever wanted for us. More than anything, God wants us to have a relationship with Him. A relationship that is initiated through Christ. Because we have a far easier time relating to someone who looks as human as we do, rather than an invisible creator. He wants us to come into that relationship without any hesitancy as Peter did. And he wants us to understand that our faith is going to be the bedrock of that relationship. So we're thinking, okay, that's it. Mark's gospel. It's a message. It's short and sweet and to the point. But no, there's there's more to unpack here. There's more to unpack. See, not only was Peter the kind of guy who would easily jump at whatever opportunity Jesus presented him with ministry-wise or faith-wise, he was also the same guy that was very quick to kind of change his mind. When Jesus was going through the process of being put on trial before, uh, before Pontius Pilate and uh, Herod the Great and, uh, and the, the Sanhedrin, all of that, when he's taken before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, Peter's out there, he's, he's waiting by the fire with some of the other servants. And people start recognizing him to the point where the first response out of his mouth is, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not that guy. And in quick succession, despite the fact that he flat out told Jesus he would never deny him, he denies him three times before the rooster crows. Done. That's how quick Peter jumped into things. In a single night, he went from saying, Jesus, I would never, never renounce you. I would never deny you. And then, just a few hours later, snap of the finger, denies him. But,
I want to I want to kind of carry this over. When Jesus came back, when he was resurrected, one of the things that he did is he he goes to find Peter and the rest of the disciples. And Peter after after the crucifixion, he goes back to doing what he does. He doesn't know how to process his grief. He doesn't know what else to do. He's waiting to be arrested. He's waiting to be imprisoned, put on trial, executed. He's waiting for that all to just take place. And so, without even thinking, he goes back to what he knows. He goes back to fishing. And he's he's out there, he's fishing, and Jesus comes up. And while he was a long way off, I mean, they're separated from each other by, you know, a good distance of water. While Jesus is on the shore, Peter sees him, recognizes him, jumps out of the boat and swims to him. Doesn't even think about it, doesn't hesitate. He swims to Jesus. Very similar to that callback of walking on the water with Jesus. He he swims through the water. He's been out there all day. He's sweaty. He's tired. He swims to Jesus. And during that conversation that they have having breakfast or having a meal, whatever, whatever time of day it is, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Doesn't even hesitate. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Again, he doesn't hesitate. Third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? By this point, Peter's figured out. Like I said, he's kind of a numbskull. But he's figured out what Jesus is doing. Peter rejected the idea that he would deny Jesus. And then he denied Jesus three times. Now he's recognizing that Jesus is giving him an opportunity to redeem himself. Jesus is doing the redemption. And after that third time of him saying, Jesus, yes, you know I love you. Peter's feeling a little hurt, but at the same time, he's feeling probably a little grateful because he has not been forsaken by Jesus. In a lot of ways, we are like Peter. We are so quick to jump in, head first. Not even feet first, head first. We rush headlong into whatever opportunity we've got presented to us. We don't think about it. We don't hesitate. We don't question. We just do it. In some regards, that shows tremendous faith. But we're also quick to turn away when things get tough, when things become challenging, when things become hard. Maybe it's in our relationships. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe it's in other responsibilities. More than likely, it's going to be in our faith. We're very quick to jump into and turn away from when things get difficult. But Peter was willing to jump right back in because he realized that in in jumping back in, he wouldn't make that same mistake. Not again. 
not after what he went through. And he didn't. While there are still some things that, that Peter had a difficult time wrapping his head around when it came to proper theology and proper faith in Christ, he became one of the strongest apostles in the Christian movement during the first century. Legend says that he became the first pope of the Catholic Church. Don't know how true that is. Um, it's, it's probably historically accurate at some point, but the fact of the matter is, he didn't deny Jesus after that. After that redemption, he continued on preaching the gospel. Started with Jews, he worked his way through the Gentiles, just like Paul did. And he continued strong. He finished strong. He understood that his faith and his willingness to jump into faith was going to be the bedrock of the relationship he had with God because of Christ. And so I want to encourage you guys, whoever are listening to this, to consider that as well. Maybe you've jumped into faith and maybe you're starting to second guess yourself and you're ready to jump out. Don't. 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 Because all it's going to do is it's, it's, just going to, it's just going to leave you hurt. But be like Peter. Be willing to jump in. And even if you make a mistake... Be willing to return as quickly as possible. That's the true bedrock and the true foundation. And I think that's why it's important that Jesus renamed Peter. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just I, I want to lift up this opportunity to you. Thank you for the forgiveness that you provide us. Sometimes it is easy for us to jump in without even realizing the implications of what it means to be following you in faith. But thank you for thank you for the redemption and for the, the forgiveness and for the grace and mercy that you give us when we turn away. You're willing to let us return. I pray that for those who are listening to this who may have turned away, who might be struggling with the implications of jumping you know, head first into their faith, Lord, that you uh, encourage them not to. That you embolden them in their faith to avoid turning away. We lift up these things to you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. Uh, if you get a chance to, please make sure that you uh, share this with others who you feel might be blessed by listening to the message. Uh, and I look forward to sharing 
the next episode with you guys here in the next in the next few days. Thanks for listening.